Good morning, good afternoon, and good uh, evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Today, I'm honored to have my friend of many years, probably 20 plus years, Jan Malin, who is many, wears many hats besides a friend. Jan is a, a career aviation finance guru who has risen through the ranks and is now the CFO of AJW Group working globally. That's an industry which we'll explore a bit today because in fact, we all know with COVID things have slowed down a bit, but it's still humming. And then in his spare time, he and his wife, Kate, who's my former colleague from Christie's and who's awesome herself, started into the restaurant business in Portland, Maine, where they now live with their two kids. And uh, I want all of our listeners who pass through Portland to check out Little Giant, their restaurant, which we'll hear about today. And then finally, the third chapter that I think is really interesting in a COVID era, Jan and his pals have started an organization called Cooking for Community, which is the restaurant industry stepping up in Portland to help pivot through this COVID era. So welcome to the caring economy, Jan Malin. Thank you, Toby. It's always great to see you. And I'm glad to connect with you again after what's been far too long of a period. So Jan, tell our listeners here on the caring economy a little bit about your career journey. How do you got where you are today? The accidents, the pivots, why in some places you turned left versus right. We met when I, when Kate, well, we met through Kate when we worked together at Christie's and then she happily went out to Hong Kong on my team there. And you two settled in there for a while, had your kids. Now you're back in Portland, Maine. Give us a, give us a sort of um, uh, a roller coaster ride with Jan Malin and, and the turns that you made. Um, I, grew up as the son of a diplomat. So I was a diplomat brat for my entire um, youthful years. And so with that came um, an appreciation for travel and um, for new experiences and new experiences associated with travel is not just seeing the sights, but also the foods and the smells and um, the cultures. And so I knew uh, when I was in university, college in Middlebury that I wanted to have a job that allowed me to travel. Finance, uh, as a lot of people did back at the time there, thinking that it was a, um, um, a challenging but ultimately financially rewarding and financially secure um, path. And so we spent some time in San Francisco, ended up in New York, went to Frankfurt, back to New York, and um, ultimately Hong Kong uh, with my then new wife, your former colleague. And um, I spent some time on the buy side, which is putting money to work. I spent some time on the sales side, which is um, con, uh, con, uh, advising people who, who want to invest. Um, and then ultimately realized that everything that I was doing was very high level, very deal driven. And so once you're done with the transaction, you sort of thank everybody for the compensation and you move on to the next deal. You don't really have any accountability. And that's an important term for uh, what we're going to talk about today, uh, accountability in terms of the outcome of that advice. And so I had an opportunity to work for one of my clients who was looking to bring some of my skill set in-house. That's the AJW group. Um, and I decided that I would um, take that leap, learn a little bit more about how companies really work, and then go back again on the investing side, having seen both principal, advisor, and then company or corporate um, um, experience. And um, it just so happens that now almost 10 years later, I'm still with that corporate. So I never took that leap back to um, um, the finance side and 
and and that's okay because I'm doing what I want to do, um, um, you know, ultimately, which is just helping a particular company grow uh, and navigate ups and downs and certain challenges where we find ourselves today. Um, the company that I work for, my full-time job, it's been around for 89 years. It's a family-owned business based in London. And basically what we do, are we are the people that the airlines are calling when your flight is delayed for mechanical reasons. They're calling my the company that I work for or some of our competitors to find out if a spare part for an aircraft is available anywhere within, um, you know, not even hours, but minutes so that people don't complain and post tweets about how rubbish the airline is because they can't get to their destination. So that's uh, and that's what we do. We move parts around the world and we repair parts. Um, we're the largest independently held um, uh, company in that space. And um, generally it's pretty recession proof because irrespective of whether planes are flying, there's certain elements to the aircraft that need to be maintained and repaired, even if the, the plane hasn't, hasn't flown. Um, that being said, this environment has grounded a lot of aircraft. And so it's been a very, very challenging year, but it's also given us an opportunity to rethink elements of our business model and develop new strategies, which is where we're in the process of, of um, now uh, rolling out. But then parallel to all that, you also decided to go into the restaurant and hospitality business as sort of a hobby, I guess, but it's kind of become, your side hustle has become almost, I think, a main hustle right now. And one is bringing you Joy, I think is that a fair statement? I wouldn't say it's my main hustle. My my main hustle is still my 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 day job. I have a a small business here in Maine, and um, the reason why I got into that is because I love, like I said earlier, I love food. Um, I love the ceremony of restaurants and the gathering of uh, friends and colleagues and business opportunities or wherever. Um, and the reason why I chose to start a restaurant and grow it was I sat, I, I, I've been lucky to, to be working from home way before working from home was a thing like it is now. Um, and I uh, moved to Portland, Maine uh, because that's where my wife's family is after all these different stints in these different locations. And I realized that I had no connection with the community. I was never, I never dialed a 207 number which is the area code for the entire state of Maine. That's how small Maine is, it still only has one area code. And uh, I didn't have any business interests. I never spent any money in the community other than it for my own personal effects. So, you know, groceries and things like that. And so I didn't, other than my home office, I never, never really had any interaction with the community. And so I saw this as an opportunity to get into something that I love. Um, I, I was probably a little bit jaded in that, you know, oh, I, I do all this stuff on a high level for major corporations and airlines. So how hard can a restaurant be? Um, you know, should be pretty straightforward. Well. Let me tell you, everyone says restaurants are hard. I can validate that point. Here, here. Um, and so um, I wanted to give back to the community. I wanted to create jobs. I wanted to um, 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 pursue a number of elements. One of the, I mean, it's, it's as much as a business opportunity as it is a real estate play too, because I have a, the building that I own. So that was part of the long, long game here too. But um, yeah, I really wanted to connect and, um, um, with, with, the, with the neighborhood and the community and, um, with, and, and give back to Maine because Maine has given us a lot in terms of lifestyle, security, it's a safe place, um, clean place to live. Um, you know, people associate it with vacation, but not necessarily with um, the people that are there on the ground. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your restaurant, Little Giant, and its, its role in the community, particularly now with COVID, 
I know that every turn, like in New York where I am, you've got new stipulations and your indoors, your outdoors, your limited capacity. How is it that you continue to um, survive, if not thrive, in a COVID era? Yeah, 2020 was looking to be a good year. We had made a number of changes in terms of headcount and um, operations. And so uh, I was sitting there in March. It was restaurant week. It was the second week of March. And uh, people were commenting on a number of the improvements that had happened um, over the years to Little Giant. And I was very pleased with the opportunity to really um, um, take advantage of the summer season, which is where we make most of our money uh, in Maine. And uh, I remember very vividly March 13th um, um, was the day that um, you know, things really became serious for, the, you know, for this country in terms of COVID. Um, March 14th, I made the decision to prematurely close, um, even though we weren't mandated to close. Um, and I think the next day, the state then suggested or imposed the, the restriction on restaurants. So we were dark in March. Um, we monitored the situation. Um, we had to make some unfortunate um, um, staff reductions. Um, and uh, I spent most of my time researching the, um, you know, then the CARES Act and, um, and, 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 and trying to figure out what, what, what financial support was available. And we then kicked off takeout in April, uh, like everybody else. And at the same time, I was connected with some local um, 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 associates of ours who uh, were trying to get this idea um, uh, of cooking for community off the ground. Mm -hmm. um, and at, the, at that time, we, we, we hadn't heard of World Central Kitchen, which is what Jose, Chef Jose Andres has done, which is a very similar model. And the model is basically we were able to raise money um, from uh, donors to pay restaurants uh, to produce meals, to um, feed insecure uh, food insecure people, and in doing so, uh, wherever possible, buy food locally, buy supplies and packaging locally. Therefore, taking that money and putting it back into the local economy. And what's neat about this uh, little program here is that we've done close to 80,000 meals now um, across the now 12 restaurants in the Portland area. We started with two, Little Giant and another one. Uh, we've expanded into the Lewiston-Auburn area, which is another um, region here in Maine where we have uh, three restaurants there. And we also have restaurants now in the Midcoast, which is sort of the, the Camden, Rock, Rock, Rockland uh, area. So it's more down East Maine. Um, and, um, we, um, what's also special about this is that it's all volunteer. There are no professional staff. Every dollar that, um, that uh, we raise goes directly back into the community. There's no, what I call leakage, um, in terms of, um, um, you know, uh, other overhead that has to, has to get, um, incurred that we realize that there's limitations with that model and that there are eventually, if we do want to grow this, then we're probably going to have, have professional staff, but right now it is hundred percent put back into the community. And the reason why this really resonated with me, Toby, is I remember sitting in my home back when all the toilet paper and all the grocery um, stores were bare and thinking, my goodness, I'm, I'm a little bit scared. I'm genuinely scared. And just imagine if I'm scared with a, you know, I still, I still have my day job um, and, um, you know, I had my house and I had heat and all that sort of stuff. Imagine with somebody who's been laid off, how they feel or yeah. uh, isn't sure about what, the, what their future looks like. Um, and I said, how can I um, 
how can I contribute in this environment? And there's no shortage of charities that are constantly, you know, um, approaching, you know, us and asking for support and we support the charities that we do. But this was an opportunity for me to use something that I had that was sitting idle. I have a, com a commercial kitchen. I have talented staff who know how to make food safely and at scale. How can I deploy these assets in a way that is relevant for the situation that we found ourselves in this time? And that was how um, I realized very quickly I could jump into this cooking for community opportunity with my, my business. Yeah, I, I love the 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 savoir faire you bring to it with your background in finance. You've got the whole understanding of scale and how to really have impact, which is what the whole caring economy message is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, we have today as our guest on the caring economy, Jan Malin, who is a veteran aviation finance guru, I would say, CFO of the AJ, AJW Group also owner of Little Giant in Portland, uh, Maine, and uh, a co-founder of Cooking for Community. Jan, can you tell us a little bit about the, um, the demographics of the people, not so much that you're serving, but those who are stepping up? It seems to me you and Kate are younger than me. I've always thought of you as sort of millennial whisperers. So how is it that you've got one of the hottest, hippest restaurants in Maine, which is and in, in Portland in particular, which is incredibly progressive, um, you didn't, you did actually just show up in a certain sense, but you're delivering on it and you're taking people on that journey. So who are you engaging in the volunteering and uh, your, your customers and how are you doing it? Sure, we have a very talented group of um, organizers in Cooking for Community is about, I'd say eight of us that, that make this work. My official title is operations manager. So my job is to wrangle the restaurants. Um, different restaurateurs have different levels of engagement. Some are very tied to their emails and some only pick up the phone and some only deal with text message. And so it's my job to um, take each week's budget effectively. I match it up with another woman whose job is to handle the agencies, the social agencies. We figure out which agencies need which meals. And then I distribute those meal requirements across the different restaurants and make sure that certain restaurants you know, don't cook on Mondays, for example. So find, finding the restaurants that can and making sure that every day of the week, um, the food gets put out. And the customers per se are, um, are, are varied. It's, um, it's senior living uh, arrangements. Um, it, is, it was in the YMCA, um, was, put, was, was, was doing outreach. Um, we work with a particular agency very closely here in Portland called Amistad. And these people are really amazing. One of the one of the gentlemen um, whose job it is to distribute the food um, literally drives around town uh, and puts the meals in a bag and hunts down homeless people under overpasses and knows which campsites um, to 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 um, um, you know where to find these people. And so, uh, from a meal perspective, what's interesting is that um, you know we're not cooking kale salad and you know things like that. We're cooking meals that are. Um, this could, in many cases, their only meal of the day. Uh, they're meals that are flavorful yet nutritious and balanced. And I remember very vividly when it when it when it really when I saw the impact. Um, you know, we do have uh, occasional um, panhandlers, and and so we had some extra meals one day because we over we made you know a dozen extra meals or something. And I said, I'm just gonna jump in my car and drive around because you can get them at the intersections. And I handed the meal out and we have these stickers on our meal boxes to identify cooking for community and the, the, the face of the woman who I gave this meal to lit up because she had had one of our meals last week. And what's interesting is that, you know, while I certainly um, 
applaud the soup kitchens and everybody out there, the restaurant quality meal and the restaurant um, approach to the recipe. Again, we're not, we're not, we're not going crazy and providing ribeyes, um, but we're providing um, interesting meals with a flavor profile that some of these people have never had before. And the gratitude and the excitement that this individual showed me when she realized she was going to get one of these meals was really rewarding. And um, and 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 you know, obviously we 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 serve guests all day, and we get comments on Yelp and all that sort of stuff, and we get the feedback from our core customer base, which is the paying customers. Mm-hmm. But now to see these um, these recipients get it was um, was incredibly satis- satisfying. So. Yeah, we raise money from individuals and from corporations. That money then gets um, budgeted and matched with agencies. And then I make sure the restaurants that are out there in this group um, produce them on the days they're supposed to do it so that the meals can get into the mouths. That is so awesome. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, we have today as our guest on the Caring Economy, Jan Malin, who is a, a veteran aviation finance executive, the CFO of AJW Group, as well as the owner of Little Giant Restaurant in Portland, Maine and uh, a co-founder of Cooking for Community. Jan, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, if there's government involvement at all? Do you leave it to the agencies to, to help um, you with the distribution and identification of recipients of Cooking for Community? Is there a, a larger role for government to play or what are your thoughts? There is, there is and that's, that's the next step in our evolution is approaching some of that government money. We, um, we, we are uh, in the final stages of obtaining our official 501c3 status. And so without that, there were limitations in terms of which pockets of cash we could access. We had um, partnered with a fiscal sponsor, which is another 501c that is happy to um, uh, act as a sort of umbrella organization so that donations that people made are tax deductible. We ourselves um, are, 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 like I said, just in the process of becoming our own um, 501c3. But if, if you, if you, you have to remember this started in April, and uh, you know, at that point, everybody was washing down their groceries with, um, you know, with alcohol and, and quarantining their mail and things like that. So there was a lot of uncertainty as to the protocols around the spread of COVID. And so um, the system that we put in place was that we would not ask the restaurants to engage with the um, the, um, the food insecure. We we identified agencies. Let's take the YMCA, for example who we did partner with Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare um, on a big donation to support that particular pro- program. Um, but uh, the, 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 uh, the way that, the work, that this, this works operationally is that the restaurants produce the meals, package the meals, and make them available for the agencies to come collect. A lot of these agencies have vans and they can do the distribution. We also found um, idle transport solutions for some of the agencies who didn't have that sort of van um, or trucking capability. Um, but the restaurants make the meals available and then the agencies collect and then they distribute the meals to their constituents. Again, whether it's a housing authority or um, um, whether it's um, you know um, um, elderly population or whatever the case may be. So um, that was designed to protect the restaurants and avoid any sort of interaction with somebody who may um, be you know infected because we obviously need to make sure that the restaurants kept their own little bubbles uh, intact. And Jan, how, how, if at all, has technology played a role in this? It seems to me that you pr- probably get that scale more quickly because of technology that wasn't available five or even two years ago. But is that a, a safe assumption or is it kind of old school in the way you identify and deliver? Well, the, 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 uh, the uh, delivery and the production is 
is of course old school because what restaurants do is you know they use heat and flame and and that sort of stuff but technology has helped us on the fundraising side we've been able to reach um, a broader audience to get the word out um, and um, you know obviously social media then um, um, puts us in front of conventional media um, where we've had a lot of support from the um, um, both, both the press, um, the written press, and the uh, and the TV media. And can you tell uh, our listeners who are interested in either donating or in maybe trying to mimic what you're doing in Portland, uh, some of your social media hashtags or uh, URLs? Yeah. So the 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 the, uh, the the organization is just www.cookingforcommunity.org. And you can make a donation directly there, or if you are looking to customize something, then you can contact um, the the team that we have that uh, do the development side of things. Terrific. Um, and um, and and in terms of the model, uh, we have a whole packet of material that um, has allowed us to expand into these other markets, like Lewis and Auburn, like I said, or Mid Coast, where it's um, impossible for me to coordinate restaurants anything outside of the immediate local area because there's a lot of driving around and talking to people but we've got um, we've been able to replicate that with people like me um, in other areas and um, um, you know we see ourselves as a main based organization we would welcome the opportunity to expand into other markets but um, you know the fundraising is is a challenge for any any nonprofit and yeah. so we're limited by the, the amount of funds that we have well, I think at some point um, I'll want to hook you up with our friend and neighbor, Eve uh, Felder, who's a dean at the Culinary Institute of America. I'm sure they've got all kinds of interesting programs going on. And she's based in Singapore now where she opened the campus there. So you two, um, we'll, we'll figure out some, uh, uh, sorry for that. Uh, we'll figure out a way to connect you. Uh, Jan, I want to take uh, our last couple of minutes here to go backward in time and talk about mentors. I remember years ago in Hong Kong meeting one of your mentors, I think it was David. Um, That's right. Ha, ha, talk a little bit about who's mentored you in life, what you look for in a mentor, and conversely, who are you mentoring now, and any sort of lessons learned that you would want our younger listeners, of which there are many, uh, to heed. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I find myself in a situation right now where I don't have a mentor that I can. I can draw on. And I think that's part of just the progression of getting older in life and rising to the top where um, um, you know, I've been fortunate to have some very um, uh, talented people who have taken an interest in me. That person, David Turnbull in Hong Kong um, is the former CEO of Cathay Pacific Airlines. Um, you know, that's the, the, the aviation perspective um, uh, or the aviation history there. Um, but um, there's a few other names, Stephen Daniel, uh, who was uh, um, my um, my boss in, in New York, uh, as well as Tom Malone, um, a former boss in New York, both uh, um, with a finance background. Um, and one of the one of the most important things that I tell people who work for me now is, um, you know, there's a lot of self promotion happening out there in the world. Certainly, social media has encouraged that, and um, there's a lot of people who constantly ask for validation. And and um, um, and of course, um, you know, praise is, is helpful and, and, and necessary. But um, um, I keep on reminding people that if you do a good job and you put your time in, um, and you learn the details, then you will get noticed. And you don't have to tell me about it because my job is to observe and evaluate and and make sure that um, you know that the, that the mission, whether it's the business that we're running 
or um, you know the 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 end goal that we're pursuing. Uh, that's my job to make sure that we're you know on the on the shortest path from A to B. Um, and so it's my job to make sure that that you know that 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 you're being evaluated. And so if you're doing a good job, you're going to get noticed. I don't need to hear about it. And so I feel like a lot of people put things out there on social media with that specific objective. Mm -hmm. um, to some extent, you know, we do that because we have to. Um, you know, as part of the business, people want to know what's going on. But mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I like I like to think that um, if people spend as much time on social media as they did actually getting the job done and doing it properly then um, you'd have a lot more progress. But in terms of, in terms of um, where I find myself in my, my ripe old age of 44 um, is spending a lot more time thinking more about the, um, you know, the greater good, especially with a situation like COVID to really sober people up and, um, and, and, and assess things. And so, so um, you know, what we do for community for Little Giant has to some extent been about survival. Mm -hmm. um, before the CARES Act money came in and other sorts of grants that the state of Maine and other institutions have put out, Cooking for Community was a way for me to generate cash flow, keep some of the people employed and mm -hmm. help me pay my bills. And it's been invaluable um, uh, in that respect. Little Giant alone has done just about 10,000 meals um, and we get paid for every one of those meals. Um, and so it helps when there's no other customers. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure from the community um, um, for Little Giant to open up indoors for dining, mm -hmm. which we're allowed to do currently in the state of Maine to 50% capacity. We have chosen not to uh, for a number of reasons. One is because you don't want to put our staff and our, and our customers in danger. I don't believe that I'm the, um, the, the foremost expert on how COVID spread works, um, but I feel like indoors um, is worse. So we're, we've done exclusively outdoor dining since when we reopened um, earlier this year. Uh, we um, obviously had a summer to uh, help us and the weather was spectacular as it is in Maine in the summer. Um, it's a lot more challenging now where it's 21 degrees outside Fahrenheit um, as we are, but um, we are investing um, and this is an interesting perspective. We're investing for the long term, And so we have had money to support outdoor dining. The city has um, put some um, money out as, as has the state. And a lot of people are building igloos and temporary sort of solutions as you've seen in New York. Um, and uh, we're lucky enough that we, we had a back courtyard, which we are building a permanent structure uh, around with um, both radiant heating in the floor and uh, overhead heating um, in the form of electric um, lamps, which we are offsetting with green uh, uh, renewable energy. Um, and I see that less so of a Band-Aid for COVID and more so as this is not only gonna help Little Giant for future winters, because I can serve year round now for years to come. I can do private events, but it also allows me to expand my offerings in the summer when the uh, weather is 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 um is nice, but it happens to be raining, for example. And so I had the opportunity to do something sort of knee jerk or do something deliberate. And um, um, I think that um, you know I think this whole situation has thankfully focused people on maybe thinking more long-term, more altruistically. Um, I think this um, outgoing administration has also focused people on um, what priorities do we as a society want to um, pursue. Yeah. And um, I'm hoping that that these realizations translate into people, uh, into people's business choices. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jan. And I think it's an interesting metaphor that uh, you are in 
the restaurant business now because to me, part of the reason I wrote The Caring Economy is that to serve is the most noble thing any of us can do. So the fact that um, philosophically, metaphorically, and practically speaking, you're serving others is, I think, the way forward. And I think you're right to make the investments you have had uh, these past few months. Um, and so with that, I just want to say thank you to Jan Malin. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Jan Malin and Toby Usnick. Jan is the CFO of the AJW Group, major aviation finance company, as well as the owner of Little Giant in Portland, Maine, and co-founder of Cooking for Community. Please check out the website. If you want to bring it to your community, be in touch with Jan or um, put it on social media and we'll find a way to get to you. Jan, any final thoughts from you? Uh, I, I think we've covered a, a broad spectrum. I feel a little bit sheepish in terms of my own horn tooting. So I think I'm going to um, leave it at that and um, you know get back to, um, to, to trying to figure out our, um, our winter model. Okay. Well, Jan Malin, thank you so much for joining us here on The Caring Economy and give Kate my best and we'll speak soon. Thank you, Toby.